0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
1: welcome in to cover it with teddy covers here on SiriusXM channel 159 the sports grid radio network over the course of the next hour I'm going to get a chance to hang out with my good friend, Rob Avino, at Rob Vino Sports on Twitter. Rob and I are going to break down Week 18 of the NFL. It is a minefield out there. We're going to do our best to uh, help you. I guess the appropriate terminology here would be help you avoid some of the mines, the landmines, uh, within Week 18. Rob and I will also talk about who we think has a good chance to make a deep uh, postseason run. We'll give our final four uh, in the NFL. We'll talk about weather games. We'll talk about wildcard weekend and what we're going to look for in that. But before we get into a detailed discussion on NFL Week 18 with Rob Vino, the first NFL Week 18 in the history of the NFL, I want to take a few minutes here at the open to talk about the national championship game on Monday night between Georgia and Alabama. These two teams met in the SEC championship game, and I made my single biggest bet of the year in college football uh, on Alabama, plus the points in that game. I thought the line was ridiculous. You know, <laughs> with, you know uh, Georgia was, what, six and a half, seven in that contest? And I thought that number was too high. And it was, obviously, given the results of that game. But part of the thought process of why I wanted Alabama in that game over Georgia Well, I mean, there were multiple thought processes. But part of that thought process was that Georgia hadn't laid an egg all year. They hadn't had a bad game. They hadn't had a game where things didn't break right for them. Every game all year, things broke right for them. And, of course, in the game against Alabama, things opened up break right for them. We took a 10-0 lead in that contest. And then (laughs) they faced some adversity. And it was really the first time all year Georgia's faced real adversity. And they did not respond well. They didn't play well. They didn't respond well. And Alabama was pretty much the better team after that opening salvo from the Bulldogs dominated the better part of the last three quarters. It was nice and easy. You love them when they come that way. But a big part of my thought process was not just that Georgia hasn't played a bad game all year. They haven't been tested. Every team gets tested. And then obviously the Bulldogs were. But a big part of my thought process was that the reason – that the line was sitting with Georgia minus, you know, close to a touchdown, six and a half seven in that game, was fraudulent. Georgia had put up a ridiculous statistical profile. You know, when you look at other recent champions, Georgia's statistical profile was better than any of them. You know, they're like, this is the best defense that we've ever seen. And I know Georgia's good, (laughs) but from a statistical standpoint, they were simply priced too high, the stats too dominant. And when you went back through their schedule closely, you found a lot of the right teams at the right times for Georgia. Certainly wasn't a banner year for the SEC East. We saw that uh, come bowl time pretty clearly. So the thought process for that first meeting, Georgia's an overvalued commodity. Georgia hasn't been tested. You don't want to give Nick Saban this many points. And it worked out fine. But now we have the rematch, and there's a bunch of stuff that's different about the rematch first of all the point spreads different <laughs> you know first time around we're laying a touchdown with georgia now it's two and a half three uh just about every book But you know i mean not just about it. it's a two and a half or three depending on where you shop around uh, as we talk so the point spread is significantly lower georgia can win the game by a field goal and cover the number for their backers if you shop around that <laughs> is certainly a factor number two is that after seeing Alabama once already, I think Georgia will be better prepared for the second meeting. No question, the Bulldogs' offensive line did not play well in the first meeting against Alabama. That offensive line last week against Michigan was truly dominant. The Wolverines' pass rush didn't get there. And you read the quotes from Kirby Smart and Company, they sound fairly confident that they will be better able to contain Alabama's pass rush this time than last time. Last time the Crimson Tide were in the backfield the whole game. So, that's advantage Georgia. The point spread is shorter, advantage Georgia. You know, you like the single season revenge angle, advantage Georgia. And yet, when you're talking about Nick Saban catching points, (laughs) and look at the numbers, the numbers are ridiculous. Saban plus points has been money. You look at the quarterback battle, and to me, that's my biggest issue with Georgia. In the national championship game. Stetson Bennett. Bennett played. As good a game as he's had in his life. Against the Michigan Wolverines. Him. And his receiving court together. There were a bunch of perfect throws. There were a bunch of unbelievable catches. It made all the difference. In that ball game. That Georgia was able to convert all these third and longs. Uh, They were able to punch in touchdowns. In the red zone early on. In large part. Because Bennett and his receiving core were brilliant in that ballgame. Brilliant! Do we trust this former walk-on to do it again? <laughs> you know, against Alabama's defense. And against well, it was Young. Did he finish second in the Heisman voting? I didn't even pay any attention. Did he win the Heisman? I honestly don't even know. Um, the bottom line is a Heisman contending quarterback for Alabama, and I shouldn't know that. Uh, but I can't think of it right here. But the bottom line, Georgia-Alabama- it's a freaking hard game for me. This is not a game where I'll be loading up uh, on one side or one total or the other. Fun game to watch. Tough game to bet on. Wish I could give you more. But just because it's a national championship game doesn't mean we have a big wager. Rob Vino coming up. it, continues
0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com welcome back cover it
1: with teddy covers here on sirius xm channel 159 the sports grid or radio network. And I'm excited. I'm always excited when I get a chance to hang out with Rob Vino at Rob Vino Sports on Twitter. Rob's a guy who's been in this business more than 30 years now. He's forgotten more than most of us ever learned <laughs> in the first place. And Rob Vino is absolutely the guy I wanted to bring on for the minefield that is week 18 of the NFL season. Mr. Vino, welcome to the program. Hello, Teddy. Glad to be here with you, buddy. Hey, the pleasure is all mine. And Before we get into Week 18 NFL, uh, in the open, I talked about the National Championship game and a game where I am not uh, getting involved with any kind of a serious wager. In the first meeting, I had a big wager on uh, Alabama plus the points against Georgia, but this time, the point spread's different. Georgia already played their crappy game. <laughs> uh, and It feels maybe like it's the Bulldogs' year this time around. And yet, saving plus points, Alabama feels like the public side. It's a hard game this time around. Much harder than that first one, at least in my opinion. And considering that we cashed a big bet (laughs) on Alabama in that first meeting, uh, it's clearly harder for this better, at least. What about you, Rob? What's your take? Real quick, Georgia-Alabama, Monday night, national title on the line.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. First time around, Teddy, I had a medium-sized bet. I used the total in that game, and this time around, I have a large bet. Um, I think I see things pretty clear on this particular contest. I'll say this, um, where the total is concerned, because I'm a firm believer that head coaches always try to correct what went wrong for Georgia. Obviously, what went wrong was the deep pass defense. I mean, Alabama gouged them with big plays. The pass rush, I guess you could use as a combination to a bad pass defense, bad secondary in that contest. A lot of time to prepare for this. So Kirby Smart and company may ask Alabama to grind it out a little bit more, not give up those big chunk plays that they did for scores in that first game or to set up scores. 52 and a half is a number hanging out there right now, and 52 is a pretty key Um you know, you're looking at 27-24, 28-24, 31-21. All these combos, if you're on under, uh, cash your ticket. I think that's a high probability in this game. So uh, I, I don't think you'll see the 65 points you saw the first time around as a as a game total. I do think it'll be a little more defensive. Brian Robinson back at running back healthy for Alabama. I think that helps them to... Uh, look to the ground a little bit more than they did the first time. So to me, it sets up at least as a little bit more of an under. And it's interesting, the betting pattern is different in this one. The betting pattern the first time around was open 53, bet down to 49. And this time we're seeing a little incline uh, with the
1: opener to where we sit right now. So betters got it wrong the first time. Betters may well be getting it wrong the second time. Uh, That's not unusual. And, And I love to see, you know, oh, all this money poured on this side. And it was wrong. And now the next game that team plays, the money's pouring in against them. And I'm like, yeah, that one might be wrong, as well. For me, I, I feel like I'm 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 probably closer to backing Georgia than I am Alabama in this game, especially at minus two and a half. Um, but my biggest concern is Stetson Bennett. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. can he do it twice? He was as good as I've seen him all year. As good as I've seen him in his career against Michigan last week. I mean, both him and his receiving core were spot on. <laughs> you know. Uh can he do it again against Alabama's defense? That's my biggest question. What do you think? Yeah, that's gonna be your biggest question with Georgia, right?
2: I mean, Michigan obviously didn't pose the same type of um, you know, aerial problems that Alabama poses for that team, so I think they could get ahead of Michigan, choke them off the way. They did their every single opponent on their schedule this year and it makes life easy for Stetson Bennett when that's the case. So, you know, Alabama's maybe one of two teams across the country, Teddy, that could strike deep against Georgia that has the, you know, protection ability and the the deep play ability, deep threat wide receiving core to do so. Even without John Mechie, they show that They've got guys in the wing, so Stetson Bennett's always going to be your concern. If you're Georgia, um, I don't know why that would change
1: here. Yeah, and of course, uh, the one thing that I was surprised at when Georgia played, Ala, uh, when Georgia played Michigan, I should say, was how well the Bulldogs handled Michigan's, you know, brutal uh, front four. They handled the pressure all day, and the Kirby Smart quotes sounded confident they could do a better job against Alabama's pass rush this time around. Of course, coaches' quotes showing confidence are not the same thing as the players actually doing it on the field. But Smart, from everything that I've read, seemed convinced that his team would be able to make up for those miscues in terms of pass blocking that they had in the first meeting. Let's get into Week 18 NFL. Uh, Rob, I want to talk Week 18. I want to talk a little bit of playoff preview. We have a ton to break down. Um, let's start with this, the final week of the NFL season. This is the first 18 week 18 we've ever had. It's normally week 17. (laughs) Is this like any other week or is it different? Um, and is there a difference between previous week 17s and this year's week 18 or are your fundamentals and your basics for handicapping exactly the same, whether it's week one, week 12 or week 18?
2: Yeah, I don't want to stray away from my fundamentals. Ever, Teddy, but I do think that we have to adjust for sure. I mean, Week 18 is kind of like a combination of real football, regular season and preseason football, right? Because we have teams that will, um, you know, take injured starters and not take a risk with them. We have teams that, you know, if they find they're locked into the playoffs in the fourth quarter, will pull first strings and that could lead to backdoor covers on. There's all kinds of variables here in this week, which does make it different. Um, but I wouldn't stray off my fundamentals. I still like matchups and whatnot. You just have to keep in the back of your mind all this other stuff that could happen when you're betting into these numbers. And I think the COVID protocols really you know, much like last year, make it a little bit difficult. It's interesting. You see a whole list and and I'll just very quickly use the San Francisco defensive backfield as an example here, right? Tuesday, you've got that entire defensive backfield out for this game. And I think when I went down the depth chart, six of the top eight wouldn't even play for San Francisco in this game. However, John Lynch this morning went on KNBR radio in San Francisco and uh, basically says he's confident that these guys will play. So I think that, you know, you have to basically see where the COVID stuff sits here early morning and make sure everybody's in the game. But it's just another thing that we have to deal with and make an adjustment to. That's
1: all. Yeah, I mean, the the, the COVID situation, uh, not unique to <laughs> January 2022, unfortunately, mm-hmm. something we've been dealing with uh, from a handicapping perspective from the better part. Uh, of the last uh, two years. Now, 11 of the 14 playoff teams are already in. One of them has the number one seed already locked up. That'd be the Green Bay Packers. The other the other 10 still have seeding issues. Duh, playing for seeding, do teams really care? We got about 30 seconds before the break, Rob. We can pick it up after if you like.
2: Yeah. Um... I think that younger teams care, Teddy. Um, Teams that have distinct home field advantages, and we'll we'll advance on this after the break, but I think teams that have distinct home field advantages care, stuff like that. Um, You know, if you're Green Bay, you always care. They have it. I think on the other side, if you're Tennessee, you do care. I think if you're a team like Cincinnati, you hope to have it because you're youthful getting into the playoffs. So, There's a lot of situations. Like I say, we can dig in a little deeper after the break here.
1: Yeah, let's do that, Rob, because my experience has been teams playing for seeding and you're betting on them. Doesn't always work out so good. More with Rob Vino after the break. Cover it continues
0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
1: welcome back cover it with teddy covers here on sirius xm channel 159 don't miss anything from our programming go to twitter and follow us at sportsgrid and at sports Grid tv to stay informed all day long you'll see clips breaking news updates and pretty much everything else plus with new york legalizing sports betting this weekend maybe get some special offers some free money again go to twitter at sportsgrid and at Sports Grid TV, You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore Covers. You can follow our guest today, Rob Vino, uh, on Twitter at Rob Vino Sports. And, Rob, we were talking about playing for seeding in the NFL, whether teams actually care, whether that's a motivator. And like I said, my experience has been if you're laying a premium with teams that are trying to move up from the five seed to the four seed, <laughs> Yeah, uh, that doesn't always work out for you. The one seed is a legitimate motivator because you get that bye week. A playoff spot is a legitimate motivator because you make the postseason. But moving around seeding-wise is something it feels like we talk about a lot in the media. The guys in the field don't worry about it nearly as much. Agree or disagree? Yeah,
2: I think (laughs) – Two different categories there, I think, Teddy. Do they care? I think in a lot of instances they care. I think a dome team cares if they can keep themselves in that dome rather than visit cold weather cities. Um, But as bettors, it'd be pretty novice of us to just react and bet those teams. uh, Like you were saying, it doesn't always work out, especially against the number. A lot of times it doesn't work out straight up. So you have to treat each one individually i do think that again there are certain situations like i say the warm weather not even warm weather i think dome more than anything if you're in a dome you certainly don't want to be placed in green bay new england buffalo anything like that you'd rather if you have the opportunity you want to win the stay home um, and if you're a young team and you have the opportunity to stay home home field can be a great advantage for veteran teams that have been there and done that I really don't think they care if they're on at home on the I mean they'd rather be home, but to be on the road isn't a big deal to them. So a lot of answers to one question. I think the betting answer is again, it would be a novice mistake out of, you know, either you or I and I sure we were I'm sure we were both there, you know, a lot of years ago, but no more. You learn over time that from a betting perspective it really doesn't matter all that much.
1: Sure, sure. You see that down the stretch of the NBA season as well. You know, the teams that have punched their postseason berth, whether they get the three-seed or the seven-seed, not the same motivator as it is to, hey, let's get into the playoffs and see what we can do. Now, a few years back, the NFL made a a switch. They made it all divisional games in Week 18. Do you think that's made made it easier to handicap, harder to handicap Uh, since that change? Do you like this format with Week 18, even the meaningless games are still divisional contests?
2: Yeah, I think it's made it different. I use that word. It's made it different. I mean, from a fan's perspective, it's probably better. And from a handicapper's perspective, um, some of the stuff I used to like to use, you, you have to kind of twist now and, and look at it in different in different lights. Um, for instance, a disappointed team against a team that has everything to play for is a little bit trickier now um, because every disappointed team is now playing a division rival where this game ends up either being a super Bowl of sorts, um, a spoiler role of sorts and that's a very different handicap than just a team that's disappointed and ready to check out with their three and 14 record or whatever uh, and get their better draft picks. so, I think it's made it different in a lot of individual instances here, probably for the better. I mean, I love to think, and, you know, we love the handicapping game, the betting game. So I I think that, um, you know, it, to feel like you can get an edge in a trickier handicap maybe because the thought process is such, I think that probably is okay with me. But I do think it makes it really different now. Again, good for – fans and different for sure for us as
1: betters you know one of the things that I've I guess I got I want to point out I want to ask you about two teams in particular because in my yes. mind these two teams have checked out you know Carolina has not played a, a competitive game in weeks same thing with the New York Giants they're both underdogs in the touchdown range you know Tampa's what minus eight uh, as we speak uh, we've got the. Uh, Uh, over Carolina, uh, and the Giants are a touchdown dogs to Washington. When you have the teams that kind of feel like they checked out a month ago (laughs) or three weeks ago, does the divisional game here at the end, is that a motivator? If you've been betting against Carolina and the Giants, you just keep doing it. Yeah, it's it's great that
2: you use the the phrase "checked out" because that's what I had written down here in my notes. Because I don't like to say "quit," and but "checked out" just seems a little softer version of "we don't care anymore that much." <laughs> um, I know they're professionals, and they're all playing for either their current contract or their next contract, or their current head coach, or what could be their next head coach, so on and so forth, and. You know, when younger guys, like in the Giants instance, Jake Brom gets to play quarterback this week for the second time. In his case, uh, I'm sure he wants to go up there out there and put up numbers. Um, but the Giant-Redskin rivalry, I think when they get on the field, it does kind of mean something, especially if the game stays tight. So I'm not sure that I would blindly bet them or bet against them or fade them, uh, Giants and Carolina. But I do think that the matchup, for Carolina and their recent form probably signals you're pretty strong in the Tampa Bay direction. I think you could throw Jacksonville in that lot as well. They really don't look like – they seem a little disinterested in the past few weeks, and they get a team that wants to win. So, again, they just become tricky in so many instances. It's hard for me to blanket um, all of these things. I, I really never do. But situationally, I guess, you know, Giants haven't been good. It, you know the draft choices for them. I think as it stands are five and eight uh, in the first round, and maybe they want to keep five and eight and just go out there and put a lesser unit on the field and let Washington have a win. So we'll see. But it does make it trickier
1: for sure. Well, are there any situations that you look for specifically in Week 18, side or total? There's an angle. Uh, a good friend of the program, Ralph Michaels, uh, at CalSportsLV on Twitter. Okay, it was for road favorites in divisional games of minus 8.5 or five, uh, higher. Uh, in these games where there's a big divisional road favorite, 35-10 and 10 to the under. Uh, there's two of those on Sunday, Indy Jacksonville and Tennessee Houston. So that's certainly a trend-slash-angle-slash-situation that's worth paying attention to. Um, anything that you look for in that regard? Situations, angles, trends for the final week of the NFL season.
2: Well, I'll tell you real quick here, what I'd like to do is I'd like to just expand on that angle for a second here. And, and, you know, yesterday, Teddy, I actually um, messaged Ralph and asked him if he could give me the number uh, of how many covers the favorites have had in those games, the large favorites uh, where these games have stayed under. And the favorites are hitting at 65%. It makes sense. You get large favorites. Um, Probably in the fourth quarter in most, I didn't go back and research or watch all 37 of these games, but in most cases, you've got a significant lead in the fourth quarter, you hit the brakes, you let off the gas, whatever phrase you want to use, and the game kind of coasts in towards under. I think this week in particular, you can take that a step further, especially in those two games you mentioned, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, Tennessee, Houston, where... If those two teams have, you know, significant leads, fourth quarter, all the starters are coming out of the game, especially on the offensive side. It's funny how head coaches tend to pull their offensive starters and leave their defensive starters on the field. That's another rant for another day. But um, I think in those two instances, it probably plays even more to the under with those two large favorites if things work out the way they're supposed to. Indy goes into the fourth with a nice lead everybody out Tennessee goes into the fourth with a nice lead everybody out. both games you know have a better shot of staying under so I think in week 18 that might apply even more than it has so far through the first 17. We've
1: got just a couple of minutes here uh, before the break Rob Uh, and I want to ask you know some of these teams that are playing for a playoff spot this week you know the Colts versus the Texans the Niners versus the Rams the Saints versus the Panthers are the betting markets offering bargains to back the other side? Is there enough value on some of the other side of these games to even look at them? Or are the must-win teams going to win and you either bet on them or you leave the game alone? Yeah,
2: I think there's always value on those underdogs, right, Ted? It's a, um, you know, the odds makers become beggars in a sense. Please come bet the other side because they know what they're going to get. Um, I would say that I kind of – I don't want to ever say I throw my power ratings up, out the window, but my power ratings are a little mess, less meaningless in these final in this final week um, because I just think that margin result is going to be off the power ratings in a lot of these cases in these games here. They're just not the same as regular season games. In my case, I usually look at the favorite. If I don't think it's a solid enough play, I'll get out. There's some instances where I'll look at the dog, but most times they're not trustworthy on my end. So I would have to say, you know, I'm looking at the favorites. If I can't play them, I don't play the game.
1: So these dogs may have a little bit of extra, quote unquote, value that doesn't necessarily make them positive expectation bets. Much more with Rob Vino going up. We're going to talk a little bit of wild card weekend playoffs. We're going to talk about some other stuff we might want to look at for week 18. Stay tuned cover it continues.
0: Sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 seven as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
1: one of the playoff games I remember is Michael Vick taking the Atlanta Falcons up to Green Bay wildcard weekend. And that warm weather dome team ended up getting the win in the cold conditions. The frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. I want to ask Rob Vino, of course, our guest today at Rob Vino Sports. Rob, when it comes to these weather games, we, we haven't seen that many of them so far in the NFL this season. We're going to see some of them in January. How do you handicap the weather game? Is it an automatic, hey, the team that's used to it has a big edge? Is it a situation where you don't worry about anything unless there's ice or wind? Um, Talk about January weather and week 18 slash postseason football for just a moment.
2: Yeah, wind is the biggest factor. In my case, I use 25 miles per hour as a gauge. Teddy, I feel like Over the course of all these years I've been doing this, the majority of NFL quarterbacks have arm enough to cut through anything up to 25. Some can even cut through 25, but that that pool shrinks quite a bit when you get to that wind speed. So if I see that wind's 25 miles per hour, and I think that's what we saw with that Buffalo-New England game where Bill Belichick decided to run it 38 times um, and only throw it three or whatever he did um yeah teams that are familiar with it are going to handle it better but again these are just ways to go about the handicap the great equalizer is always the number and so no matter what kind of familiarity you might have with weather conditions no matter how strong of an arm your quarterback might be where he can throw into the wind for the two quarters when it's blowing into his face um, dependent upon the number That's how we end up on one side or the other. But those are two main factors that I would look for. And and certainly, you know, you can think far enough back to Bengals Chargers, I think 1981 or whatever, when the Chargers went into Cincinnati with the high-flying offense. And Dan Fouts looked like he wanted out of there as soon as he got on the field. So, um, you know, familiarity with with those conditions does help for
1: sure. All right, and I just Googled it while we were talking. It was 2002, the Falcons and the Packers. So I'm remembering stuff from a long, long time ago, man. I got to come up with better references that were 20 years ago. Uh, but <laughs> you do see it's not unheard of or unusual for a warm weather mm-hmm. team to go up and play. Now, Dan Fouts obviously had his fair share of struggles in the Ice Bowl. But when it's 25 degrees as opposed to negative 5, you know, right. cold. But not ridiculously cold you know sometimes the warm weather teams do okay in those situations so is there anything you look for i know we're going into week 18 here and week 18 is as we talked about it's a difficult week to handicap i'm going to look ahead to wild card weekend we do already have 11 uh playoff teams that are set we don't have the matchup set but we have the teams are there anything is there anything you look for for wild card weekend systems that work year after year There was an old system we used to use back in the day based on strength of schedule differential that was really good during wild card weekend. Do you have anything system-wise or that you look for year in, year out when it comes to the opening round of the NFL playoffs? Yeah, strength of schedule to me will always matter. Teddy,
2: But in the NFL, the parity that exists now, finding strength of schedule edges come few and far between. If you can find one, if I can find one, I'm certainly going to examine that side even deeper uh, as a potential play. You know, this new format is such a small sample size. I don't know if this new format is going to present us with anything as far as trend or angle is concerned. We've only seen it for one year. We'll see what it gives us this year. Um, and why, hey, wildcard teams have gone through playoffs before all the way to Super Bowl. I think the, the biggest thing for me, what the NFL becomes or has become, is the team that is hot the last, I'm going to say, third or quarter of the season, the last four games, um, generally plays pretty well in that wild card round. So you're looking for the team, at least in my case, that's, peaking at the right time um obviously again we're always looking for value in the number i think there used to be one i forget if it was wildcard week and our championship week and we're just bit the favorite and and or just bit the team you think is going to win and don't worry about the points because the points don't matter but strength of schedule is a big issue <clears throat> i just don't know that you find it as much anymore more significantly um a significant
1: difference as you might have you know Back in the day, well, the 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 strength of schedule angle, uh, and I'm I'm doing this off of memory. I apologize, but I'm pretty sure I got it right. It was you could go to a a mainstream page, Sagarin, you know, NFL strength of schedule, and when there was a differential in the ranking, your teams are ranked one to thirty-two in terms of NFL SOS heading into Week 18 right now. Uh, The Eagles have the single weakest schedule according to Sagarin's numbers uh, for the NFL. Which is kind of ironic because their division mate, Washington, has played the toughest schedule in the NFL, <laughs> which is, to me, a little bit bizarre, being that they play both of the same teams, which is why I always <laughs> take the Sagarin strength and schedule numbers with a grain of salt. And the way I do it is I go through my powering numbers for every opponent each team has faced each week and make the differentials that way. But the system was if you go look at the Sagarin numbers, when there's a differential of five. In terms of the strength of schedule ranking, it's worth a bet. With this is the differential of 10 or more, uh, it's been extraordinary. <laughs> uh, over a, like a 20-year sample size. Just taking the team that has faced the tougher schedule, there's no other parameters to it. The battle-tested teams tend to do well on wild card weekend. And that may not bode well for a team like the Philadelphia Eagles. Um... Give me your final four in the NFL, Rob. I'm not going to ask you for who's going to win the Super Bowl. I think that's you know that's that's pigeon pigeonholing you a little bit too much. But talk to me: who's going to be in the NFC Championship game? Who's going to be in the AFC Championship game? If you had to make those bets today?
2: Yeah, this was tough because I had to make a mock bracket and you know try and decipher um, everything that that'll happen here, but. I think in the NFC, Teddy, for me, it would be, I I believe Dallas will get there and play Green Bay for the NFC Championship. And in the other side, I guess I'm going to front run because I really like Tennessee quite a bit. And um, I think they'll be there, especially if they get nailed down this home field advantage. And I think Kansas City will play them. So KC, Tennessee, there's a lot of upsets you could pick along the way. Just don't know who's going into Kansas City and winning. And like I said, I think Tennessee will get there. So that would be my final four: Dallas, Green Bay, the Chiefs,
1: and the Titans. And the Titans are a new addition to the list for me. I'm with you now on Tennessee. I've devalued Buffalo and New England both. When I first the first time I did the final four midseason, I'm like it's going to be the Bills and the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. They're clearly the two best teams at this time, and at that time they were that was then, this is now. You know, the Chiefs were a last-place team at the time. Tennessee was riddled, riddled with injuries. Um, Titans have gotten a whole lot healthier. They're getting Derrick Henry back. I don't know if they need Derrick Henry, to be perfectly honest, Uh, given that the running game has worked without him. But the offensive line's healthy. The defenses make the plays every week. Tennessee, if you're talking about one future bet that I would make right now, if I had to play one team, Probably Tennessee to win the AFC. That's the one that makes the most sense to me. And the AFC is deep. It's not top-heavy. You get a very reasonable price on the Titans to do that. Yeah, and let me just say real quick here, TC,
2: that three weeks ago I made that bet um, and got plus 850. And I think the the plus 850s are now long, long gone. But I just tried to use the foresight, knowing that they would get their two tackles back, knowing that... um, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones would be back by playoff time. And knowing that Derrick Henry, even though Dante Foreman, like you say, has performed very, very well at running back, uh, knowing that Derrick Henry was going to be back at some point in time, it seemed like uh, a pretty good edge. And now it, it seems as if the whole world is talking about that. It seems like they're going through the Super Bowl. So glad I did it when I did it. But, again, that's just things that we do. We try and project. We try and have a little bit of foresight. Um, and hopefully the masses don't catch up to us until it's too late. And I guess, you know, it's great to hold a ticket with some value, but it's still got to cash, right? I just think Tennessee's uh, the best team when they're full, when they're to- totally healthy in the-, in the AFC. And it's interesting to me that Bud Dupree can go into a Walgreens and punch out a clerk and not really get any penalty from the team. So they're looking at things now. Uh, big picture, I think, to the Tennessee Titans are.
1: The clerk should not be disrespecting Bud Dupree or anyone (laughs) in his party. Uh, That's right. Um, Period. So, uh, Rob, got just a couple minutes left with you. I want to make sure that you get a chance to promote yourself. I want to make sure that you get a chance to give our listening audience a winner for Sunday's NFL action. Let's start there. I got a free play in the NFL for Sunday. Uh, Talk to me about who you like. Teddy, I will just do this off based off of what we talked
2: about today and how it can be a little bit different. I like the Indianapolis
1: Colts in week 18
2: minus – nine and a half in the first half um, for a lot of the reasons that we talked about earlier. It's hard to trust double digit favorites for four full quarters because of what may happen in the fourth quarter, if they have a significant lead. But this is a team that I feel is going to come out from the opening kickoff with only one thing in their mind. And that's to put away the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't know that there'll be a lot of resistance. Um, There's been a curse at this field since 2014 that I think they'll erase the Colts have been a great first-half team last 13 weeks, 12-1 and one against the spread. Jacksonville, quite the opposite. 1-11 against the spread with eight straight losses in the first half. So I'll leave you with that. Um, Indianapolis minus the points in the first half. As far as promotional stuff is concerned, you can find all my work at wagertalk.com. A lot of uh, free content as far as video is concerned each and every day over there at wagertalk.com. I happen to be part of quite a bit of that, NBA, college football, NFL football. So find my work over there. Also selections, like I said, I do have a big play on this national championship Monday night. So anybody interested,
1: you can find that over at wagertalk.com. Yeah, Rob, clearly uh, a guy who, (laughs) A, You know He knows what he's talking about, and B, he's the guy who puts his money where his mouth is. Rob, we got just about a minute left, and we have a little bit of time, so I do want to ask you about postseason angles, playoff angles. Mm -hmm. One that stands out to me, you bet against a team when they go on the road if they won in blowout fashion at home the previous week. Is that one that makes sense to you? And are there any other playoff angles uh, that you want to share with our audience? A little bit less than a minute to go. Well,
2: I totally agree with with that angle for sure, Teddy. Now, in my um, realm of handicapping, I'm way more matchup-based and personnel-based than I am angle-based. I always think angles can be – obviously, they're they're never 100%, so they can always be wrong. But that one – I believe makes a lot of sense and is useful to me. So um, I, I would highly recommend that one from a handicapping perspective. But again, I'm so much more a matchup guy. The fundamentals, the 22 on the field, the styles, that type of, uh, that style of handicapping.
1: Great stuff from Rob Vino. Really appreciate your time and effort today, my friend. We will talk to you again in the not-too-distant future when Cover continues. I'll give you guys my bettable opinion for Sunday. We're going to talk about the New York football Giants. Stay tuned. Coverage continues.
0: SportsGrid.com Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com
1: Home stretch of Cover It With Teddy Covers at Sirius XM Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. If you missed any portion of today's show, if you want to hear it again, if you want to go back and check out the archives of Cover It With Teddy Covers, we got every show dating back to the Super Bowl last year, all archived at all major podcast outlets. Just search for Sports Grid, search for Cover It With Teddy Covers, and you can download the podcast to consume at your convenience. Whether it's the NFL podcast for Sundays, whether it's the college slash NBA slash college hoops podcast for Saturdays, whatever you like. Again, just search for Cover It With Teddy Covers wherever you download your podcasts. Download it and check it out at your convenience. I'm going to take a look at a team total for week 18 in the NFL. And that team total is the New York football Giants. And we're going to take them Under the number. You talk about an offense that is checked out. Again, the Giants have no offensive line. Okay, Their skill position talent has faced injury from day one this year. It hasn't gotten a whole lot better. They're trying out quarterbacks that aren't very good and giving them ample ample playing time. And, of course, the play calling for the G-men hasn't exactly been, yeah, let's take shots downfield over and over again. They can't. They don't have the offensive line to do it. They're facing a Washington team that, oh, has a pass rush. A Washington team that was not amused by what happened last week blowing a game against Philadelphia. And a Washington team that I think can handle the G-Men pretty easily. Giants scored 29 in the first meeting back in September. I don't think they get the 14 in this one. Certainly not more than 14. We'll look at the Giants. Under their team total, 14.5, the prevailing number as we speak. This G-Men team not about to go bananas offensively in their season finale. And that's going to wrap it up for Cover It With Teddy Covers this week. We will do it again next week, both Saturday and Sunday, right here on SiriusXM Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Between now and next show, enjoy the games. And good luck. We'll talk to you again next week.